locked into the zone with Diamonds and Roses podcast, bringing you one step closer to Pacific Northwest and Southwest Canada baseball news, stories, and history. Proudly fueled by Baseballism, they're America's brand, Big League Chew, the official bubblegum of Diamonds and Roses podcast, and Devo Bat Company, professional wood grain bats for the love of the game. And now your hosts, Ben and Travis. Welcome to the Diamonds and Roses podcast. I'm your host, Travis. And today I have a very special guest from the Hillsboro Hops, K.L. Wombacker. I think anybody that been has been to a Hops game has seen K.L. and probably wanted to approach him. I, I just know that as a fan and, and I'm walking around the stadium that uh, they would love to be in my position and ask him a few questions. So, K.L., please introduce yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Travis, thanks for having me on. Exciting to, to be on the podcast. I, I hope that I can create a better appearance throughout the ballpark so people do feel like they can come talk to me. <laughs> um, uh, definitely uh, one of the best part of my job is to kind of work, walk around the concourse, just be part of the game and and interact with fans. I mean, we learn so much from talking to season ticket holders and, and and even those people that come out for their first ever baseball game or their first ever hops game. So more of that dialogue we can have makes us better as, as operators. But um, for me, I, I grew up in Tacoma, uh, went to, went to high school there and, and was an athlete uh, in high school, played uh, football, baseball, basketball until I broke my collarbone to stop playing football. And then I thought I was going to be an NBA player. So I stopped playing baseball to concentrate on basketball. And uh, that led me to go to Central Washington University to, to hopefully play basketball. Once I got there, I realized that I wasn't near as good as I thought I was and um, decided to, to hang up the sneakers and um, kind of look at what my my life would look like not being an NBA player. So um, got a fitness and sports management degree, did a little coaching while I was in college as well, uh, coached some high school basketball and then post-college coached a little high school basketball in, in Yakima. Um, I got an internship in 2001 with the Yakima Bears and I just fell in love with it uh, being behind the scenes you know creating those those experiences and those memories that people have coming out to the ballpark um, uh, you know baseball was never my favorite sport but um, I, I always enjoyed the sport and I've always enjoyed going to games more than you know the sport itself and so I think that's really helped me as an operator look at it through the lens of a non-diehard fan, but, you know, just the casual baseball fan that just likes going out and likes bringing their family out, likes going out with their, their dad or their grandpa, gets a hot dog, some cotton candy and, 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 uh, you know, just enjoys the experience. So, um, spent 12 years there. I was promoted to GM in 2005 and, uh, spent 12 great years there. Really enjoyed it. Uh, we had a small staff many years, sometimes three, four, five people in the front office. So I really got to do everything. Uh, I ran concessions for a couple of years, ran stadium operations, did sponsorship sales, ticket sales, marketing, community relations, um, some stadium renovation projects. Um, I mean, it was it was it was really an all encompassing experience there. And then had the ability to and the opportunity to uh, to lead the effort to relocate the team to the Portland Metro and 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 specifically to Hillsboro, Oregon. So got to work with the city on 
what that agreement would look like. Um, got to help out with stadium design and construction and launching the team, launching the brand, building the front office. Uh, and now we're about eight years in, uh, and, and it's been a, it's been an amazing experience. We've, we've, uh, have built a really, really great fan fan base. that's super supportive and, um, hopefully have a bright future as well. I can't, I can't believe it's been eight years by the way, but it feels like you're, you kind of have put your imprint on the entire experience. Do you actually, for example, the, um, all the vendors and everybody just to be in a good place when you're at the game and they put you in a good place. Is that purposeful? Is that something where you talk about that before beforehand and get people like singing and, you know, singing in the aisles and that kind of a thing? Well, I mean, it's definitely purposeful. Um, we, we have a, we have a tremendous front office and everyone here, takes a lot of pride in the in the organization they take a lot of pride in the community and they take a lot of pride in the fan experience and um, our first year we kind of developed this hop hospitality brand uh, for our for our game day staff and and the first year we had these bright bright green shirts that we put them all in um, so they were super noticeable uh, we'd have them you know dance to the music and um, but the biggest thing was we just, it, it was pretty simple from a customer service standpoint. We just really preach, treat treat people like they're guests in your house. So the, we don't call them fans. We don't call them people. We don't call them, we call them guests. These are guests that are coming to our ballpark. So, you know, some of the things you would normally do when you have guests to your house, you make sure your house is clean. You make sure, you know, there aren't any smells. You uh, you cook for them. You make sure they have fun and and, and you make sure they want to come back. And so it's a very simple, simple philosophy, I think, when it comes to how we train and how we operate uh, the ballpark. But at the end of the day, we want we want people to have fun. We, we want them to uh, be in a clean environment. We want them we want to surprise them at, at times, too, of like, wow, I didn't I didn't think it would be this this fun or this cool or I didn't think the food would be this good or um, man, they have a great beer selection. Um, the, the, um, so a lot of it is off the field driven of just that, the totality of that experience. And, and the biggest goal is we want them driving home, walking out of the gate, getting in their car and driving home with a smile on their face saying, wow, we can't wait to go back. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. The beer definitely helps. You guys do have really great beer. So thank you. <laughs> thank you from all the beer fans out there. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about, um, well, I just, just so I, one thing that we always talk about is your first baseball memory. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a lot to cover, especially um, talking about last year going into this year. I mean, everybody is so excited to go to a game. Clearly, um, you have 25% capacity, and I believe almost all games have been sold out. But um, can you just uh, just describe maybe your first baseball memory, and then we'll we'll go into um, how it's going so far. My, my first baseball memory, um, there, there's kind of two that, that run together. And um, one was they, they were both in Tacoma. Uh, the Tacoma Tigers were a triple-A team at the time affiliated with the Oakland A's. So all the big A's players back in the in the 80s came through Tacoma. Mark McGuire, Rick, Ricky Henderson, all, all those guys. Jose Canseco, Terry Steinbach. And um, one of my first memories was an exhibition game between the A's and the Tigers and and my dad took me to the game and we actually stood out in the warning track they had put they had sold so many tickets that they had to bring out chain link fencing 
and and we stood in the warning track behind a chain link fence and watched the game and it's a pretty vivid memory for me of just like you know seeing that full ballpark and and seeing the Oakland A's playing in Tacoma it was it was it was really cool and the second one was um probably around a similar time frame but we were out in the bleachers and a foul ball came our way and and uh, a lot of people kind of got out of the way and my dad went to barehand it and I'll, and and he ended up missing it <laughs> or he he, he kind of made the catch but hit his hand so hard that it fell down and some other kid grabbed it and he was apologizing to me that he he didn't catch that ball for me but you know I'll never forget him kind of reaching up barehanded and and I'm a small kid at the time thinking like oh my gosh why would he do that like you need a glove to to catch a ball like that um, and I was always just amazed at my dad of you know trying to trying to catch that ball with his bare hand. You know, it's, I, it's so funny because I'm not surprised you just gave me those those memories. And I think a lot of Portland fans, you know, because we had the Pirates and the Phillies and 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 then the Twins and the Padres. But but I was saying your actual what I was asking was your first baseball memory on the field. But I'm not surprised you did it as a fan because obviously you know seeing you as a fan, um, so that's that's our connection. But do you have a memory of of the first time your first memory that's meaningful being on the diamond yeah um as far as like the hops go or myself no yourself personally myself personally um not really (laughs) i mean (laughs) okay i i was a i was a probably an average shortstop uh growing up um i played i played on a team in tacoma that actually we we had um, a lot of inner city kids on it and so we were we were kind of that ragtag group that we didn't have uniforms. Only a couple of us probably had baseball pants. Some wore jeans. Uh, we had t-shirt jerseys, um, you know. But we were we we we, we had a blast. Um, we had kids from all walks of life. Some kids had pretty challenging, uh, 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 you know, home situations and and um, and uh, you know. But I, I look back on that team and think to myself, like, man there's so much select baseball now and travel teams and stuff like that. And we were just a community team. Like we just, uh, a bunch of kids that some grew up near each other, some didn't, um, but we got together, we played and, and a lot of us became friends through that process. And, and some of us would have never, we didn't go to school together. So we wouldn't have become friends without baseball. Baseball really brought us together. So it's not necessarily a, you know, a play on the field or a game we won or anything like that, but, definitely that experience. I mean, I have vivid memories of the practice field we'd be on and the drills we do and, and stuff like that. I almost remember those practice times more than I do the games we played together. Yeah. You know, it, it reminds me of the bad news bears. There was so much bad news. There was so many teams that were the bad news bears back in, in those days. And the, I, you know, I, I, I do know um, that there are still teams like that, but it, I do kind of miss that, that freedom. It was a little bit more freedom. <clears throat> so um let's let's talk a little bit about last year um and and i want to talk just briefly about last year to be honest because we didn't have baseball last year but just how you felt about that and and kind of some of the challenges but then really end on a happy note and say you know how's it been so far this year tell us a little bit about the experiences so far yeah it was a tough year there's no doubt and um you know, a lot of people had it worse than us, so we're, we're very sympathetic and empathetic to to the situation. 
Um, but it was, it was, it was by far the most stressful period of our, of our lives. Um, it was, it was the most uncertain period of our lives. And for our, our organization, it was compounded. We had the pandemic, we had the uncertainty around, you know, this time last year is when our season got canceled, probably it was sometime late May. Um, and so for March and April, we had just a lot of uncertainty. Are we going to have a season? Are we not going to have a season? When will it start? Um, and then we transitioned into season getting canceled and kind of the, the devastation around um, the season getting canceled. And, and then the, okay, now what do we do? Um, we've, we've all the money we've collected from sponsors and season ticket holders, we've been spending uh, on, on staffing, on rent, on, equipment on, on everything else to get ready for the season. And, and, and now we don't have the money to refund. So how do we convince all these fans to push the money to 2021 so we can survive as a business? Then how do we create enough cash flow so we don't have to lay off our entire front office and, until we get to next year? And so doing all that planning and strategy was, was very challenging, very stressful. Um, we care a lot about our front office and our number one goal was to keep our front office. We didn't want to have to do a mass layoff like a lot of other sports teams were were having to do. Um, and so we devised a plan and we did a shared sacrifice a across the board. I took a 50% pay cut, um, kind of wanted to lead by example. And a lot of our executive team took big pay cuts. Uh, our entire front office took a pay cut and we just kind of got together and said, you know what, we, we can get through this with a shared sacrifice and we don't have to. If we do it this way, we don't have to cut anyone. And, and it showed a lot of the character around our, our front office and, and just how much we care about each other. Um, and then we did, a, we did a couple of things during the summer to create a little bit of cash flow, which helped. Uh, our merchandise has, has continued to do well over the off season, so that's helped us a little bit. Uh, but the biggest thing was we had fan support. 94, 96% of our season ticket holders uh, kept their money with us and rolled it forward to 2021. 100% of our sponsors rolled their money to, to 2021. So we didn't have to issue a big, big amount of refunds. And that's really, really what saved us. Um, and then what compounded it was we knew Major League Baseball was reorganizing. And, and for 120 years, Major League Baseball has had an agreement with Minor League Baseball called the Professional Baseball Agreement. That agreement was expiring September 30th. And we knew that there were going to be massive changes to it. What we didn't know until the end of September was Major League Baseball was devising their own player development system. And what we knew of minor league baseball would be going away. And so September 30th uh, came and went, the agreement came to an end and uh, around, and then we started you know, hearing um, items from what this new system is gonna look like. And finally, December 3rd, we got the agreement of what's known as the PDL, the Professional Development uh, Agreement, PBA or PDA, no, PDL, Professional Development League and Professional Development License. Um, and, and we went from 160 teams in minor league baseball down to 120 that were invited to be part of this PDL. And fortunately, the hops were one of them. And fortunately, even more fortunate, we went from being a short season A team in the new in the old system to a high A team in the PDL. Uh, so um, for us, it was a, a massive net gain. 
uh, we were able to stay with the Diamondbacks. And in the past, we've had two-year affiliation agreements with the Diamondbacks. Now we have a 10-year agreement with the Diamondbacks. Um, so higher classification, longer term. Um, and part of this new system, we're now we're part of Major League Baseball. Before, you know, we were Major League Baseball was there and we were kind of affiliated with them. But um, now we are Major League Baseball. And so that part has been has been incredible. It's been it's been really, really neat. It's it's been a huge learning curve of of being part of Major League Baseball launching this new system. You know, tons of bumps along the way. A lot of unexpected uh, you know just little issues here and there that have had to be worked out but we're getting there and and I think you know the majority of the teams have understood that this is about the future we can't continue to look at what what we've been part of we have to look at what we're part of going forward and what are the next 120 years going to look like uh, as part of Major League Baseball so it's a very exciting time um you know, we've made it through the worst. It was a very, very challenging year for those two reasons, COVID and the new PDL system with Major League Baseball. But um, we made it. And, and opening day was incredible. One of, the, one of the most incredible experiences in my life to open this ballpark back up and have fans back in and feel like we're back. Um, and then Tuesday, uh, we actually uh, changed our mask policy for vaccinated fans. And, and that was another moment where it was just a big moment. This week has been a big moment of kind of that return to normalcy and seeing people in the concourse without masks on is, has been really, really cool. And people have been just overjoyed with kind of what post-COVID is starting to look like. That's amazing. And it's good to hear. I, I still have not been able to go to a game, mainly because I'm coaching Little League. But when I get there, I know, well, my son wants to go and just have a hot dog and go home. So, but no, um, I can't wait to go. Um, it's, uh, I, I, I just am so excited. Um, but, uh, you know, I think just for the fans, uh, just what's a typical day with the hops? What's it like? Like on behind the scenes before a game or just on a typical day? Yeah, uh, typical day. I mean, you know, we're in, we're in, some of us are in fairly early. I was in about 7.45, 8 this morning, um, catching up on some emails, catching up on some reports that we do for ownership, um, catching up on, you know, just keeping up with our projections of, of where we're at financially, uh, solving some issues that we may have had last night, whether it's technology issues, whether it's um, issues with how we're scripting the game and kind of that in-game experience, food and beverage issues, staffing issues. Uh, uh, every day we have a team meeting at 10 o'clock and we, we talk about the night before and issues that came up, things that we could have done better. Um, and then, and then we preview uh, what's going to happen the day in front of us. Uh, any, you know, any VIPs that are in the building, any sponsors that are in the building, what the promotion is that night, uh, anthem singer groups, um, you know, any, any messaging that needs to go to our game day staff. Um, you know, those sorts of things. So everyone's, everyone's hopefully on the same page as we leave that meeting, typically 30 minutes, an hour. Um, and then we start prepping for the game. So our, our sales team is normally working with, with their package holders, ticket holders on, on um, solving any issues they have, or we went to all digital tickets. So there's been a big learning curve with a lot of our season ticket holders that our ticket team has helped them through any setup that occurs during the day for different promotions or, you know, stuff we're just taking down each night. 
um, team normally rolls in, the, the, the coaches will roll in um, around 11, 12. And so typically I'll meet with the coaches every day, just, just talking about the night before, anything they need from us, anything we can do to help players roll in about one or two and are on the field um, mid-afternoon. And so we, we try to get out to the field once the players are here and just be available if players have any concerns or we can help them with anything. Um, now we're doing COVID testing, so I get to I get to do the test twice a week, uh, spitting a little, spitting a little thing, little tube, and get it to our trainer, and we overnight those. Um, so we're doing that every Tuesday and Friday. So today I have to get tested, um, but uh, you know a lot of it is just trying to to get perfect every day. We want to get better and better and better and better. And we used to have 38 home games, 38 opening days, we'd call them. And each opening day that we have of the 38, we want to get better and, and make that experience better for fans. And so now we've got 60 home games this year. So we have a longer season, um, but more challenges with capacity restrictions, COVID restrictions, safety protocols. Um, so we just constantly work through those every day so we can make improvements and, and get better. Well, thank you. Thanks for the insight. Um, so, you know, like Michael Lewis kind of made it famous, or Billy Bean, Billy Bean famous in the movie, obviously didn't, it, it helped a lot to show kind of the behind the scenes, like everybody has a different uh, routine. What is, what, what happens on game day for you? Any, any change in like your mood or your focus? Um, not, not necessarily. Um, there's there's definitely energy in our office on on game days versus like the off season. I mean, off season we have to kind of create some energy. In season, there's just that natural adrenaline that that we have a game day, and um, you know we kind of look at it as almost like being performers and putting on a show. Uh, we want we care so much about people's experience here that we want everything to be perfect. We want things to be set up, um, and so when the first person gets here even if they're an hour early everything is set up and looks like it's ready to go for the game we want to make sure our our staff is all on the same page so we're communicating with fans of what's going on that day you know what the food and beverage offerings are what the promotion is what the theme night is um, we just want to really dial in that communication um, we stream our games so we have a production crew that we work with every every day and and things are changing whether it's roster changes it's pitching matchups. Um, so we're going through that with the broadcast team every day. Same thing on the radio. Um, a lot of player movement early in the season. So simple things like coordinating shuttles for players to and from the airport, uh, getting housing set up for players, um, the different visiting teams that come in, coordinating with them, their catering needs, their, their hotel needs. Um, on the umpire side, same thing, catering needs and hotel needs for umpires and just making sure we communicate with the umpires so they know game times each day. They know any pregame ceremonies that they need to uh, schedule their home plate meeting around, um, any issues from the night before, any scoring changes, that sort of thing. So um, so there's just there's it's just kind of a lot of activity on game days, which which naturally rises or raises your uh, your energy level, which which is fun because over the course of a homestand, we're going to put in um, some long hours. So when we get to games four, five, and six, uh, the energy level isn't as higher as it was in game one or two. So we need you know we need that that uh, activity to to boost our energy level. So we're putting on a good show. It is it is always a good show. Um, what, what's your favorite memory about being with the hops? Um, 
I, ha I have a few. Um, the groundbreaking ceremony in, in 2012, September 23rd, 2012, was a really amazing experience. Just the work we put into moving the team and, and that first day where we were officially starting um, starting some starting the work was was something I'll never forget. Opening day 2013. It, it's to this day, it's still kind of a blur. I don't remember a lot of it, but um, there are certain parts of it I remember that it was just an incredible day uh, and just such a ceremonious day for the city and for the community and, and certainly for our organization. We had a ton of DBACs people up here. Um, and then our first championship in 2014 was we won it at home. It was the first title that I've ever been a part of. It was actually the first time I've even been in a championship series in my career. Um, and our hitting coach was Mark Grace. Our pitching coach was Doug Drabeck and our manager was J.R. House. And so that that coaching staff was was outstanding. Um, I really bonded with them over the summer and over the season. And, you know, to win our first title with those three guys and, and the team we had, it was it was really incredible. And to win it on our home turf, we've won three titles now, but only one has been here at home. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'll always remember the, the guys parading the championship flag around the, the warning track and all the fans cheering them on and taking the trophy around and having the fans um, touch it and stuff like that. And just seeing the joy on the player's face. And then in the clubhouse afterwards, the, the champagne shower, just just the pure elation and joy that the players had of accomplishing that of winning a title it, it's just it doesn't matter mark grace even said this it doesn't matter what level you're at cherish winning titles because they're hard to do uh, no matter what league you're in um what sport you play winning a championship is hard and a lot of people don't get to experience that so um soak it in and and um and we definitely soaked it in that night and probably smelled like champagne for about four days oh that's great yeah, there's really nothing, <clears throat> nothing like the playoffs. So, I mean, every time you guys are are participating, everybody should go to a game. It's incredible. You know, I was going to ask you um, about your dream job, but I think what I would rather ask is, has this changed now that you technically work for the MLB? Has that kind of changed, um, like what your aspirations are? Um. Yes and no. I mean, I think I think as I as I get older and I, you know, I'm in my I don't know 20th or 21st year working in baseball. It, I always have ambitions, and I always my ambition changes a little bit. So, I I I need to be challenged. I'm just the type of person that I need I need to be challenged every single day, every single year. And so if I get in a place where I'm complacent or I feel like it's easy, then then it's time for me to move on. And so I think even in my time in Hillsboro, um, I, I have to continue to find opportunities and projects and and challenges that, that, that just keep me going and keep my mind going and keep me fresh. Um, and, and fortunately, I've been able to do that so far. And we've got some some really cool challenges coming up over the next couple of years that that are going to really motivate motivate me and, and keep me going uh, I've, I've i've had a a vision of being a you know big big four big five president at, at some point um you know it's not something that 
it, it, it's more of a challenge to myself of, of, I believe I could do that job. And I believe it would be a big challenge for me to make that, to make that, that jump. Um, you know, a lot of the mechanics are similar, but it's just a much bigger organization. You have bigger budgets, you have bigger staffs, you have bigger leadership teams, you have, you know, uh, potentially more challenging ownership relationships, um, you know, league issues that we just don't face at our level. So um, for me, that would be a, a really, really incredible challenge. But, you know, something like that doesn't drive me to take the steps to get there. I think if, if um, you know, if, if, if I never have a position like that, it's, it's not going to change how content I am or, or how, how gratified I am with, with my life. I think, you know, being in a good spot with a good ownership group, a good staff, um, great relationships in the community, a great family life, a place I want to live. I mean, as I get older, like those things are way more important than, than what title I have on a business card or what, what, what team I have on my business card. So, um, you know, if you asked me this 10 years ago, I probably would have said, yeah, I want to be an MLB GM or an MLB president or an NBA president or something like that. But um, it's definitely changed a ton um, in my time in Hillsboro. Well, we'd love to keep you around. I know that. So hopefully that's, I mean, uh, obviously I want you to accomplish all your dreams, but we would love to, to have you continue to be with the hops. Um, you know, I know that it's game day, right? So I know you have a lot going on and I really appreciate your time. So I want to end with um, what message you might have for the fans. Um, you know, any anything else you wanted to add, anything that's on your mind um, regarding the season? You know, if you want to tell anybody about anything coming up, just um, and and again, I just really appreciate your time. Oh yeah, no, it's my pleasure, Travis. Thank you, thank you for having me on and and being able to share uh, part of my story and also um, a lot about our organization and kind of what we do. It's it's a uh, we, we've had such a such a great run here in Hillsborough and in the Portland Metro, and, and and we're just so grateful. This year has made us so much more grateful for having the fan support we have, having the the community support we have, and and I think we we realized it was a, it was a wake up call to us of how deeply people care about this organization and this franchise and the Hops, and um, you know that's something that will never be lost on us, and we will never take that. For granted after after the year we've been through so you know i think when it when it comes to a message for fans it's you know we we want people to to come out and have fun we want this to be an escape we want it to be a place where you're creating lifelong memories and and a lot of us do what we do because we have memories from our childhood and and or we're making memories with our kids taking them to sporting events and um that's, that's what we want to create. I mean, that's really the takeaway of, of what we do. Uh, hopefully we, we win the game people are at, but at the end of the day, most people don't care. I mean, they, we want them to just have a, a really, really great experience. We want their kids to have fun. Um, and, and the biggest goal we have is we want to build a generational fan base. We, we want kids to come out. We really focus on the entertainment for kids. And we want kids to come out when they're four, five, six, seven, eight. Um, and then 30 years from now, they're bringing their kids that are four, five, six, seven, and eight. And you and, and we build these hops fans for 30, 40 years. And then they're bringing the next generation of hops fans for the 30, 40 years. And so really focusing on that long-term vision of that generational fan base, um, because we all remember, most of us remember going to our first game with our dad or our grandparents or something like that. And 
and how important that memory is in, in our life and our relationships with our, with our family. And so being on this side now um, and, and being able to provide those memories, it, it's, it's not lost on us and how important those are for people's lives. So uh, have fun. You know, we, we're going to have uh, expanded capacity starting tonight. We go to 50 percent. Uh, June 8th is our next homestand. And, and we're going to hopefully open up the seating bowl a lot more, uh, which is quicker than we thought we'd be able to. And so once we get into June, July, we think we could be close to full capacity and and get, you know, kind of get this place back to to where it's been and and uh, get it fully operational and and make it fun and and have an amazing summer. Yeah, it's going to be an amazing summer. I mean, I can feel it. And I know, uh, I, I just want to say to anybody out there who has not been to a hops game, um, what Kale's saying, it's it's everything and more. It's it's the best facility. Uh, it's, it's the coolest stadium, I think, around. Um, and everywhere you go in that stadium, you're treated like gold. So thank you again, Kale. Thanks for your time. Um, that's going to do it for this episode. As my friend Ben would say, peace out.